welcome to episode 5. Thank you for joining us. On today's episode, we'll be chatting with Shamika Murphy, who's a financial strategist. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. We know for a fact that you'll enjoy this episode. Right, so hello everyone and welcome back to Chatting with the Beauties, episode five. We have our guest here today. Um, unfortunately, today I will be doing the podcast by myself, but that's okay. We'll be back um, next week and Monique will be joining us next week. All right, so we have our guest today. Um, I'll allow her to introduce herself while we get this interview started. Okay, um, my name is Shamika Murphy, and I am often referred to or called the wealth strategizer or the net worth strategist. And um, I, I know that's what people like to refer to me because I'm known as someone who's talking about money or finances or just the mindset around money. But um, to get past my professional my titles, my credentials, and just speaks to me being an, an authority in financial planning and strategy. Um, overall, my ability to have my clients um, move from financial struggle to financial security and just positioning them to create gener- generational wealth. Um, I think my true, my truth is that I'm just a regular girl. Mm-hmm. Um, when I say a regular girl, I mean, it's not as if I came from something um, different from the average person. It wasn't something that I saw in my household or that I was brought up to understand or to know. Um, I'm just a regular girl that realized that there was more out there for me um, to have than what I was exposed to growing up and what I was used to um, seeing, you know, in, in life were kind of push towards the fact of going to school, getting an education, get a, new, a good job, you know, you get married, you get the white picket fence home, you start having the family. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just kind of realized that there was more to it than just that um, aspect. And I realized that that's pushed on us um, based on our ancestors or our generations before us, they were denied those basic things. So for them, the only thing they knew was to, you know, point us in the direction of, hey, now you're able to go and get this, get an education, something that I wasn't able to do, make sure that you do it. But I just decided that there there was more out there um, for me to have. And, and, and it just didn't matter what I was exposed to or what the limited circumstances were that I had. I used what I had to be financially responsible in the right now moment as a young woman. And I paid attention to the things around me um, that I would say. It would. It, what would it take for me to create a different um, future for myself, to have more um, for my future self? So I just realized early on the power of things like real estate, having a way to generate additional income, you know, what it is to be investing and not just saving. Um, because, our, our again, our parents, you know, the generations before us, you know, it, it was never an excess. They had just enough to make sure that they kept a roof over our heads, food on, in our mouths and clothes on our back, right? right? So saving up for a rainy day, but no, me realizing at a young age that it was beyond just saving, but what the power was in investing. Um, so ultimately, I, I just decided that I was going to be living my life intentionally for my future while enjoying my present. So okay. I knew what I had could amount to more. And that's what I did. Okay, so that's perfect. And, you know, just so our listeners understand, 
we had we brought Shamika on because we want well right now we're dealing with what we're dealing with and it's COVID and not just COVID now is dealing with the Black Lives Matter but before um as once the uh, COVID started you know a lot of people were out of work they didn't have jobs to, you know to go back to because we were on total shutdown so the purpose of this podcast is to basically give people who are not investing or not saving the proper way to start now you know don't worry about oh well I should have started years ago to have a certain amount of money a certain amount of money right now it's okay you can start now and this is why we have Shamika on here so we have a couple of questions to ask her to help our listeners out to get you to that step to um, start saving. So that's why Shamika's here. And I have a few questions to ask you. So you ready? Yep, absolutely. I'm ready. Okay, good. So basically, in the beginning, you already explained who you are. And um, that's perfect. So what, um, explain to the listeners a little bit more on what a financial plan and strategist does exactly, because I don't think a lot of people understand what they do. Okay, so a financial planner and strategist is basically using their expertise in like money money management, tax planning, and different investment vehicles that, that creates a plan for your money in the present day. But it's not just how do you spend your money today, but that plan basically helps you to meet your short-term and long-term goals, um, which includes sustaining you in your retirement years and ensuring that your family benefits from all your hard work and sacrifices long after you leave this earth. That is what generational wealth is. So a financial planner is going to utilize all the different things around money, whether it is tax planning, whether it is um, different investment strategies or the investment vehicles and just the basic money management skills that help someone move towards um, having a future that meets their short-term goals, their long-term goals, um, and even for generations after them. Okay, so even though this is not part of the question, I'm just going to jump in. Do they have to come to you with a certain amount of money or can they just come with zero or they have to come with a certain amount to get this process started? No, absolutely. Okay. You don't have to start with a with a certain amount. You just have to start with the um, with the intention and the commitment to do what it's going to take to get you from where you are currently to where you want to be in your finances. Um, a lot of us, it's like I said, for me, even starting out for me, I took what I had and decided to do something different with it, okay. right? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that's all you need is to, if you have any form of income coming in, it's creating a plan that's going to use the income you have coming in to basically manage your finances. If you have debt going on, eliminating debt, you know what I mean? Like coming up with the idea of, okay, how who, who should I... Um, pay off or not pay off first versus mm, last okay you know having a, a serious plan because most of us don't plan to fail we just fail to have a plan to take us from point a to point z that's true that's true and i mean like myself included and i know a lot of our reader i mean readers i'm sorry listeners have the same issue you know you go into college you finish college and now you have a whole bunch of debt behind you so usually you're like oh my gosh how am I going to pay all of this amount of money off 
and still be able to pay rent or mortgage, whatever it is you have. So I think this is definitely something that, you know, a lot of our listeners should even think about doing because this helps you because a lot of people get anxiety. I know I do when I see how much money I have to pay back for school, mm-hmm. you know, so I feel like this is something that is needed. So what other services do you provide to your clients? Um, pretty much all of my individual services collectively are with one mission in mind. It's to make money, grow money, and to keep money. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do that whether it's through tax preparation, whether it's through budgeting, whether it's as an investment advisor or a life insurance agent. My desire is to help my clients to become more financially responsible and lay a foundation for financial security and generational wealth. So for me, if it people don't even understand the power of having a life insurance policy. Like a life insurance policy creates an instant estate. It is something that creates instant wealth for something that we know is an assurity to come. We know that our days are numbered on this earth. We don't like to think about it, nor do we like to talk about it, but at some point we're going to leave. So the things that we're not able to do with our money financially while we're here, if we invest a little bit into a life insurance policy, that policy creates an instant estate as well as an opportunity for instant generational wealth. Um, So it's like everything, tax planning, understanding Um, Like right now, we're living in a time where so much has shifted in the tax laws and the different regulations that don't necessarily benefit the working person. So how do we position ourselves to take advantage of how the tax laws are written, which is written for the business owner? Right. right? There's so much that we're doing as side hustles and as hobbies that if we would legitimize it into a business, we would be able to further take advantage of tax um, laws that would basically put more money in our pocket or keep more money in our pockets. Mm -hmm. So that's what my services are around. It's about all the services that I provide collectively, putting you in a position to make money, grow money and keep money. Mm, Say that again. And, you know, you touched on life insurance. And this is something that, like you stated, a lot of people don't even pay attention to that. A lot of people don't even have life insurance. Or if they do have life insurance, they allow it to lapse. And then when it's time to bury you, bury you, the family has to now struggle and try to find money, some kind of way to do this. So can you touch a little bit more on the like life insurance so people really understand that? Absolutely. Um, with life insurance... So you have different types of life insurance. I am someone who's a believer in term insurance. And the reason why I believe in term insurance is because it's one of the cheaper ones that you can have. And additionally, when you have investment um, life insurance products that ties in your savings and investments, the premium is substantially higher, but the promise that they give you as far as how your money is invested and what will be available to you is minimal compared to what you could do if you were to invest that money yourself in something as simple as a mutual fund. Mm -hmm. So for me, I believe in buying a term and investing the difference in something like a mutual fund, which have shown us time and time again to have a return on investment of anywhere between 8 to 12%. So for me, um, I want everyone to understand that life insurance is it shouldn't be optional. It is a necessity, especially for our culture of people, that we are not coming from a place where we have anything that has been handed to us or transferred to us. So our first opportunity of being able to transfer anything is probably through something as simple as a life insurance policy. The best time to get life insurance is early. Mm. 
Why? Because when you get and you lock it in at an earlier age, you lock it in at a lower rate. Right, right, right. You know, as you get older, you become more of a risk. And so ins- um, insurance companies want to collect a higher premium. So, I mean, you kind of touched on something before, and I want to touch on this. Mm-hmm. You touched on the college student who graduates from school, they got all this student loan debt, and they have mm-hmm. all these things that they're trying to figure out. Like, these are things that, for me, are the basics for anyone who's starting off life as a young adult. Um, for me, when you're young, it's time that you'll never get back, Correct. right? Mm-hmm. So you'll never be 18 again. You'll never be 21 again where life insurance is cheaper, where your overall responsibilities are lower. So it's your opportunity as you're younger, as college graduates, people coming out of school, or if you're not going to school, but you're just on the side of you just started working a trade, but you're young. I, I, will, I want to stress to everyone that have time. Time is something you don't get back. Mm-hmm. And most people don't know how money works. And it has so much more to do with the time value of money and compounding in- interest that even if you were able to save or invest a small amount of money, it could a- accumulate or amount to a whole lot over time. Mm-hmm. So for like those younger people, when we touch on life insurance, it's a time for you to do that. Why? Because it'll cost you less to get it now than if you wait 10 years from now. So there's a lot there when it comes to the, the, the fact that we should be starting while we're young, but it doesn't deter the person who's older to start where they are because starting is better than not at all. Um, so I just wanted to really touch on that on the younger person, the college graduate. Um, I think we um, have had a conversation before about around the fact of sometimes people they think that they can't. But right. to the person that's younger who has a time on their side, like don't be in such a hurry to like be an independent, quote unquote, independent adult where you out there and you fending for your own in every aspect. Mm-hmm. Don't subscribe to that lifestyle of trying to keep up with the Jones, Joneses because it only leads to being financially stretched so thin that you're robbing Peter to pay Paul and you're having a bunch of materialistic things that don't hold value. And I'm glad you said that, Shamika, because we have a lot of kids right now who, um, and we could, we could blame social media, who follow these celebrities or follow these influencers or whatever maybe and they want what they have and it's like no like you can do so much like you said stop following the joneses and get busy like you're in college you have your whole life ahead of you and what you're offering and what you're saying is actually something that's needed because the first thing is that once they go to college because i know when i went to college they offer you all these credit cards Credit cards, credit cards, credit cards, credit cards. And then you're like, oh, yes, money. I can buy this. I can buy that. And then at the end of your college career, your college years, you are stuck with a bill that now you can't pay. So mm-hmm. I agree with you. I feel like they need to now stop looking at what others have and focus on the moment and how you can build your money and be able to be more responsible leveraging the time that they have that, you know, those same influencers that they're looking at, those influencers no longer have that time. So they have to leverage the time that they have on their side. I like to tell people, even whether you're young or you're old, if you're not where you need to be financially just yet, my whole thing with everyone is live below your means. For the college graduate or the young adult, I I tell them live at home as long as you can or consider living with a roommate. Why? 
because at the end of the day, we're in such a hurry to kind of just get out there in the world. But the moment where we're out there and we accumulate or we build up all these bills for ourselves, there's no backtracking it. Mm-hmm. So right now, my biggest thing to anyone is living below your means. Anyone that is not with where they need to be financially, live below your means, save to invest in assets and things that will give you equity. Ownership, when I say equity, I mean either in value or in ownership. So that way over time, like you will be surprised that even in 10 years, what you will accumulate if you just start to say to myself, I'm not going to subscribe to the image or the facade of that I'm making it or I'm doing it and stunting it for the gram, as we like to say. Mm-hmm. But if I'm going to actually put my resources, my time and my money towards something that is going to create value for me that I will be able to see amount to something in the future. Yes, I agree. I agree. And honestly, I I feel like people like you and, um, you know, our podcast or even having a panel where someone like you and other people that um, are into this and be, are able to explain financial strategy, strategies is needed because like you stated back then our parents didn't tell us much about this our parents didn't really know much about this and I feel like it starts when you're young as a child you know you have to make sure you tell the kid okay you get money somebody gave you money all right let's go to the bank and put this in the bank and save you know I think it starts from young and again I was not taught that I was definitely not taught like all right Make sure you go do this and make sure you put this here and put this here so you can have money at the end of once you get to a certain age and it's needed now. So definitely what you're doing is important. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. And I mean, one of the other things that you kind of touched on, too, is like our parents don't tell us this. And so we enter into this world and, you know, we're just going by the things that we see. And the first thing that someone tells us, whether that's coming from a place of um, actual knowledge, wisdom or expertise, we're, we're just going with the flow of what we see. And that is why, you know, not just the amount of um, debt that we graduate with from college that begins to weigh on us. But like you said, you go into, you start college, there's all these things in front of you. They're offering you credit cards. They're offering you this and they're offering you that. So oftentimes, because we never had any foundation of financial literacy, whether it was how to handle the money that we have, even with knowing the importance of credit and the power of credit and how to manage that, like it's not something that we are taught. There's no foundation there. So when we go out into the world, sometimes prematurely trying to be this independent adult and we're not well equipped we fall prey to whatever is in front of us and therefore we lose our power and we lose our leverage and that Mm -hmm. is in the time that we have to really take advantage of things that we may not be able to do 20 years from now um, when we have a whole family and children right so there's definitely things that we should be looking at um sooner than later when it comes to saving and investing and how we manage our money, how we um, understand credit. So that's what I'm about. Like, I want to get people to see it, understand it, and not just like empower them to feel like, oh, there's better out there, but also equipping them Mm -hmm. to be able to take action on what's better out there. That's good. And because this conversation is going so well, I do have a question that, you know, I didn't give you prior, but how do you how would you deal with um a client who and who as a young adult their parents 
took out all these credit cards under their name when they were young. So now at the age of 22, now they have to fend for themselves to fix their credit because mom and dad at a young age took credit cards out on their names. How do you, how would you, what would you tell your client and how to, how to handle the situation? Cause I know I have, um, I have a couple of people who are dealing with situations like that. What would you tell them? Well, the number one thing I would tell anyone is, okay, you cannot, um, you cannot change the past mm-hmm. necessarily, right? You can't cry with spilt milk, which is something that my um, my mom has said over and over. I would hear her saying that growing up. Um, so it's already happened. So what you can do is take personal responsibility from where you are now to make it better. So one of the things that you did um, touch on is like someone who's trying to fix credit was one of the things that you um, spoke um, mentioned that you wanted to talk about today. Mm-hmm. So I would tell anyone, and it answers this question for those people as well, right? The most important tips I would stress to anyone wanting to improve their credit score. Number one is to watch your balances, right? Why do I say watch your balances? Because 30% of your credit score is based on your credit utilization. Mm-hmm. It's based on your... Um, credit your line of credit and your outstanding debt okay right so if whatever that is that that has to stay within a point where you are no more than 25 percent of your credit limits so if you have available credit to you um of let's say ten thousand dollars you should not be exceeding no more than like two thousand to twenty five hundred of um of basically outstanding or revolving credit balances that you have on your credit cards, right? Because so much of your um actual score relies on the balances that you're carrying. Thirty mm. percent of your score is about the balance that you're carrying. That's almost halfway there. The next thing is I'll tell everyone to be on time. There's so much about our integrity. There's so much that people um, sum up about us when it comes to first impressions based on us being on time, right? You never want to be late to meeting someone for the first time or for a a job um, interview or for a business opportunity. Same thing with your credit. Be on time. That means to pay your bills on time because so much about your credit score 35% of your credit score is based off of your payment history. Mm. So your payment history speaks to your credibility as someone that knows how to manage money and pay your bills on time. So between those two things, we're talking about six over 60%, 65% of your score is just based off of those two things. And those are the things that you are, you have control over. Right mm-hmm. now, let's talk to the to the people that has the issues that they're that some things they you know they made their own mistakes, but in this case, some people didn't do the mistake; their parents mm-hmm. did it mm-hmm. when they were younger. Right? right. So the next thing I would tell anyone the most important tip to know when it comes to trying to um, improve your credit score is know your rights. Mm. Right. There are things that um, creditors can do and can't do when it comes to your um your credit score or your credit report right and if you don't know your rights when it comes down to knowing what the um credit protection um rights are if you don't know it the next thing i'm going to tell anyone is to invest in yourself what what do i mean by investing yourself when it comes to improving your credit hire a professional Mm. 
right? Someone like you, um, clearly. Some, yes, yeah, someone like <laughs> me that knows your rights. So there's things that if you know the basics of your rights, then you can do some things to help yourself. Creditors can't harass you. They shouldn't be harassing you, right? Mm-hmm. Secondly, you know, something that has more than seven years um, of age, of, of it happened seven years ago, it's something that should not be bearing any um, impact on your current credit report and credit um, score. There is a limitation on how far they can carry those things. So those are basic things that you should know. That means that you should not like succumb to the pressure of creditors. If it's something that you know happened when you were a a child, Mm -hmm. that has to be more than seven years. So them trying to get you for that doesn't make sense. It doesn't even belong there anymore. Right. Right. But if you don't know what it is to go through the process to dispute those things, invest in yourself, invest in your credit um, score and hire professionals such as myself, or there's plenty of things out there, different programs that can help you to dispute things to basically hone in on what is legally your responsibility and what is not. Right. Right. So people really need to reach out to you, especially with the situation that I brought to the table, because if you don't know, you're going to just be quick to pay all these people off. And then technically, you probably don't even need to because it's been, what, 10 years? <laughs> so, right. so it's like and they're then, getting you, basically. Yeah. And the importance of understanding that it's been 10 years, but if you allow yourself to get on the phone with them, the moment you allow yourself to get on the phone with them and it was 10 years ago, you just restarted the clock. Mm-hmm. That's so true. now your seven years starts again. Right. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, um, it's, it's just to, to me, when it comes to, um, improving your credit score like anything in life it's going to take time and it's going to take consistent work of doing the right thing by your credit and by your finances your credit score is literally like your like your gpa that you would get when you were in school it's the moment like you could be doing so well and the moment that you get one f it hits your gpa so hard that it takes a whole bunch of a's to bring it back back up. up right right so when I even talked about just restarting the clock just now, like you just literally gave them the opportunity to, to keep that F on your record. That's now going to take you so much more work to get back into a, a better standing when it comes to your credit. That's a good way of putting it. That's definitely a good way of putting it. It makes sense. And people never, you know, you don't, again, we never learn this. They don't teach us this in school. So it's like we go out in the real world clueless. So explaining it this way makes it much better to understand. So clearly it's it's going to take forever to take this F off. Yeah. And it, and if it doesn't take forever, one of the one of the things I want to just hone in on that it's going to take some work. And it's going to take some level of consistency of work. So on your side, you have to continue to pay bills on time, right? right. As me, if I'm if I'm the person who's saying I I want my credit score to improve, right? I'm going to continue to pay my, to pay my bills on time because I don't want to give another thing to get to hit and give me another F, right? right? I'm going to make sure that I keep my balances at a certain point because if I keep my balances as a B, B for balances, if I keep my balances at a certain point, I'm giving my credit score an opportunity to still have a positive factor when it comes to giving me a credit score rating. Okay. Makes sense. Definitely makes sense. All right. So how do you create a budget 
how can well for your clients how would you explain them to create a budget that they can stick to do you speak to them about that also absolutely um so earlier when I was introducing myself, I said that I decided to live my life intentionally for my future while enjoying my present. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. So I'm a firm believer in creating a budget that is sustainable. That's how people stick to it. If you create a budget that is filled with the emotion of um, deprivation, it's all about depriving yourself of every and anything nine times out of ten you will not stick to it it will be like the person who went on this fad diet had nothing possible under the sun that would they would have possibly enjoyed when it comes to eating food that there's that binging moment where they go off into this binge of eating any and everything and basically erases all the hard work that they just finished committing to over let's say the last month or two right mm-hmm. it's almost even like credit like we talked about if you can be doing a lot of things good and in the moment you do that f it's hard to get you back to that a right. and it's the same thing with a budget if you create a budget that is full of deprivation and that you can't stick to it even if you do good for with it for a month and a half or two months you can do more damage in a week wow wow just because you go off on a binge of Spending money, however, because you just need to feel like you need to treat yourself to something. And I deserve this. Mm. Right. So for me, when it comes to budgeting, I take my clients through the process of saying, getting real with your money. It's where we go and we let's focus in on where is your money going? Where are you spending money? How are you spending money? Why are you spending money with this way? And how I look at it is not just by looking at what you did last month. I literally look at it from a period of three months. And the reason why I look at three months is because a month, 30 days may just tell me what you got into over the last couple of of days that felt good. That was fun. But 90 days is going to tell me your lifestyle. Mm. It's similar to the whole idea of 21 to 30 days is about a habit. The moment you go into 90 days, that's you creating a lifestyle when it comes to your health and your wellness, Mm -hmm. when it comes to your habits of how you do work and how you show up. It's the same thing when you're looking at your money. If I look at 90 days, I can get a good sense of your lifestyle and looking at your lifestyle of seeing how you spend money where you're spending money and why you spend money the way you do, it helps me to put together a budget that's going to be more feasible and sustainable for you to stick to. There are things that I would say, oh no, we have to put a dollar amount to this because if I take it away altogether and tell you not to spend money in this way at all, nine times out of 10, you may do it for a month or two, but you will revert back to doing it and throw the entire plan off track just because it's something that is realistic for you to get through your week to week or your month to month. So that's what it is for me when it comes to um, creating a budget, looking at a 90 day window, because that tells me a lifestyle and it tells me a, 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 a lot when it comes to your money story. Right. 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 And then putting a plan together that is feasible for you to actually stick with. Yeah, Yeah, and realistic. Right. Getting real with your money. (laughs) Right, no, you're right. Because a lot of times we go off the hinges. We want to buy this and we want to buy that. And then add a trip here and add a trip there. And it's just like, all right, you got to put everything in order first. 
budget mm-hmm. correctly so you'll be able to of course treat yourself going on a trip that's definitely fine but the money and the budget has to be together yeah it has to be and I mean we when that budget comes in we're looking at everything we're looking at the things that you may need to do um for leisure that is a part of like even just self-care and self-love to tell yourself to not go on a vacation for five years is not realistic oh, right no. but <laughs> but but to tell yourself that, you know what, I am going to go on vacations, but my vacations are going to look more like this. And this is the budget I'm going to put around that vacation. Right. So maybe you may have to give up. And I'm, I'm a heavy traveler. Right. Um, and I don't do, you know, travelers just like the Caribbean and stuff like that. Like I like to go to just, you know, far out places. Right. Bali, that are not... Dubai. I get it. Yeah. That's us yes. too. <laughs> yes. Because I'm trying to, you know it's not just about going on a vacation, but it's creating an experience and a memory for my life. Right. So I may have to sacrifice and say, you know what? I may not do that type of trip for the next two years and give myself a vacation. That's more like a long weekend getaway here and there that fits into this type of budget. I may be able to do that for two years, but because I haven't totally deprived myself of taking time off and doing something that I enjoy, I'm more likely to stick to that budget i'm more likely to stick to that plan that comes with anything even the amount of money that you um save or you invest um or that you put towards retirement like a a a budget supports all of that because it makes no sense to tell someone to do anything in any of those areas that is not going to be feasible or or realistic for them to do because they won't stick with it right yeah that's true that's very true and the fact that you just jumped into retirement goes into the next question. How much money should you invest into your retirement for those who have um, jobs that has the retirement, the 401k or the 403bs? How much should you invest depending on if the company matches it? How much should you so, invest? So that's a... For for young, I'm, I'm gonna answer it generally, and then I'm gonna go into some other pieces. Okay. So for like that young professional, um, that I told in earlier in this um interview that they should be living um below their me- means, I will say to that person who's actually living to keep expenses low that they should be investing a minimum of thirty percent. Um, of their income. Now, that's not just in a 401k or 403b. I would do for a job, a 401k or 403b, I would do just enough to receive the match. If they have a um, 401k um, platform that is really investing your money for growth and stuff like that, yes, exceed more than enough to get the match. But I would say first, your first target is to at least invest in the retirement vehicle that your job offers to get the match. Because if you don't, you're leaving money on the table. Once you've done that, I tell that next person, okay, if if the match is you got to invest 10% to get the full company match, okay, turn around and put 20% in something outside of your job, such as mutual funds. Mm-hmm. Um, and that goes even for the person that doesn't have a regular job. The person who doesn't have a regular job, they're not looking at it as I'm investing to get a company match. But I still tell that young person that is maybe outside of a regular job who started off in entrepreneurship early, still open up what is called a Roth IRA. It's still a retirement vehicle that you would then invest up to 30% of your income in. Um, For the average working person, 
who may not be on the younger side living to keep their expenses low, who do have certain responsibilities, I would tell that person that they should be saving a minimal of 10 to 20% of their income when it comes to towards retirement. That's depending on where, where they are, you know, with their month-to-month -month expenses. Right. And again, I say enough to get the company match. Same thing applies. And then basically go into other vehicles of saving investment, investing until you get to that threshold of having a minimum of 10 to 20% that is going towards your retirement. The reason why I pointed out that 10 to 20 and depending on where someone is with their month to month expenses, because if someone owns a home, I could understand them being closer to that 10%, mm -hmm. but understand that owning a home is that it may cost more in their monthly overhead, but that home is an asset that will pay them later in the future. Less. So Less. it's okay if they're only taking 10% of their income and putting it into retirement because that home becomes a part of their retirement because they can then at some point pull equity out of that home or sell that home because now it's worth more than when they purchased it. 10, 15, 20, or 30 years prior, and then they now have access to that income because that asset appreciated in value. Wow. Wow. Yes. That makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, those are the important things that I, I like people to understand. Starting where you are, mm -hmm. um, knowing that you can do, you know, what you can do or do your best with what you already have mm -hmm. um, and not just kind of give yourself the justification or the out of not thinking about it and not even trying because the only thing that you have in your mind is that I can't afford to or I don't make enough money. Yeah, you do. It's about how you set your plan up and how you set up your responsibility. Gotcha. Your priorities too. Right. Yeah, priorities play a big part. You know, are you do you want to save for the future or do you just want to deal with right now? So I know for me, it'll be definitely for the future. So you have to make sure your priorities is in order in order mm -hmm. to do this. And you put your money where your mouth is. You can't say that what's important to me and my priority is my future, but you're not putting anything towards it. Right. Right. You know, and that's what that's what we have to start um, doing is 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 just putting ourselves in a position not just to talk about things that we want to do, but to actually start putting things in place to actually like putting it in action. Right. And it's all about educating yourself, mm -hmm. you know, educating, having someone there that knows the business and knows exactly where you should invest your money and the right time and to get you out of a certain situation, that's the most important thing. So if you could sit and invest in buying all these fancy bags, you can invest in someone like you to help you out. Yeah. So it's needed. It's needed. I know for me, that's something that you and I will have a conversation after, but it's definitely, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely needed. All right. So um, what, I'm sorry, what, where do you start when buying stocks? If someone like myself wanted to buy stocks, where would you, where would you tell your clients to start? So the two things I would say is rather than jumping into just um, the stock market in and of itself of buying individual stocks, I would tell anyone that is a beginner when it comes to investing, I would tell them to start with mutual funds. And when I say mutual funds, for those that don't know what it is, Mutual funds is a pool of investments in various industries that are pooled together to um, 
to dictate a particular type of performance. So I'm not just investing in one stock, one company, or one industry. I'm investing in a pool of things that collectively together, it basically gives me a little bit more of an assurity of a certain type of performance, and it allows me to have a less risk. So if I put all my money, if I, if I buy a stock in a particular company, I'm relying on that one company to do well. Okay, so since you said pool, I'm going to just jump in real quick. Since you said a mutual fund is a pool, so basically it sounds like to me, you correct me if I'm wrong, you'll have, for example, JetBlue, Google, and Apple all in this pool. So that's what you'll have compared to having to just invest solely on Apple, correct? Right, exactly. Got it. Right, so you, if Apple, if Apple does well, but then Google doesn't this, this particular quarter, it balances itself out. Gotcha. Right. So for me, when it comes to the beginner, I say start with that because it's not you having to have a certain level level of expertise when it comes to understanding the valuation of companies and earnings of companies and knowing whether or not it's a good investment to hold versus a a good investment to kind of buy then sell short term. You don't you don't average person doesn't get it and you don't want to put yourself in that position where you are kind of like putting all your eggs in one basket to Mm -hmm. start out right Right. um outside of that i would say um robin hood is a great place to say that you're going to open up an account to buy stock it allows you to buy um fractional shares of stock and when i say that i'm going to i'll put it to everyone like this if you look at a stock that is like an amazon Mm-hmm. right or like a google or like an apple the price per share is substantially high so for the average person they're not going to be able to go in and say i'm going to buy 20 shares of amazon mm-hmm. right? right and um and i want to i want to touch on what that looks like because and and this again it goes back to the conversation i had before where i said you know we have to um start putting ourselves in places of ownership and equity, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, when you look at Amazon, I'm, I'm just going to say it really quick. So the price per share for Amazon right now is $2,675. Oh, okay. Now, how long have we been shopping on Amazon? Uh, forget about it. We got Amazon <laughs> Prime. I just shopped yesterday. <laughs> right. So, you know, when you look at that price per share, it feels like, oh, my God, I can't afford to buy that. But again, if you're not looking at trying to buy single stocks, you can go into fractional shares where you buy a portion of a share. So, yeah, you may not own a full share because you, you weren't able to buy one for $2,675, but you can buy a stake in that mm-hmm. share, mm-hmm. let's say, right? And so for me, I would say go to that next where you're able to say, you know what, I have $5,000 available. Rather than me just buying, you know, two shares of Amazon, maybe I want to put $500 in Amazon and have a stake in an Amazon stock. Maybe I want to put $500 in Google. Maybe, I want, you know what I mean? It gives you an option to have a mix of things you know, that you have ownership in or a stake in versus just one stock of or two stocks of Amazon. So that to me, I would say would be the next thing to do is get into um, 
doing fractional um, shares investing. And you could do that not just on a Robinhood. I think Robinhood is great because there's a lot of educational tools available to you on um, Robinhood mm -hmm. that helps you to understand um, how to invest as well as it helps to protect you um, in, in your investments as well. Because there's things such as putting in a stop loss. And that's like advanced talk where you'll do it another time. Right. But it's basically saying, hey, I want to invest in this, but I really don't want to um, take the risk of losing all my money. So I'm going to put something in place that says, if this stock falls to a certain point, go ahead and get me out of it. Okay, okay. Right? So, so you... So you basically protect yourself from a certain level of loss. Okay. Okay. So I also heard about, I heard about Robin Hood. What about, um, I'm sorry, Fidelity? What about that Fidelity, one? Fidelity, those, um, those are like brokerage firms. Mm -hmm. um, when you get into Fidelity or like TD Ameritrade, those are larger brokerage firms and they do actually allow you to buy fractional shares. The only thing that I would tell anyone is you want to make your money work for you. Mm -hmm. So in any platform and at any given moment in time, it can change. But in any platform that you decide to use to, um, to invest your money, pay attention to the fees. Okay. Pay attention to the fees because you want to be able to get, get your money to work for you where it doesn't cost you too much. Okay. And with Robinhood, um, as a beginner, I think it's a good platform to start on. Um, there, there isn't like large fees when it comes to um, investing. And so I would just say pay attention to them. I haven't looked at the fees for the various um, platforms or brokerages in a little while, mm -hmm. but pay attention to that as a beginner. Not just, you know, selecting one that seems well-known or um, that, you know, puts enough ads in your feed that you end up clicking on it and right. starting, your, starting your, your account with them. Because the moment you start, like, researching those types of things, you'll start to see these things popping up on your feed all the time. But rather than just clicking and signing up with the one that shows up on your feed the most, do a little bit of understand their fees um, that they have for you to invest your money. So that way you don't lose money in investing, not just based off of the fluctuation of the market, but just based off of even the cost of you investing your money on that platform. Okay. All right. That's good to know. Um, as far as for you, what is the worst and best investment you made and why? Honestly, I wouldn't call it the worst investment, but I think, one of the things that I could have done differently, again, with just doing better with what we have, I think one of the major things I could have done better is when it came to um, investing and going into college, because going to college is an investment. Mm -hmm. You're going to college to get a degree because you're hoping that that degree then puts you out into the, mar the job market and, it, and you are able to get a job and a job that pays more than minimum wage. That's the goal, right? Mm -hmm. um, when I went to college, I actually went straight through um, for undergraduate and graduate. And I do wish that I would have stopped at my undergraduate and put myself out into the job market and would have put myself into a company that has tuition reimbursement that would have paid for my graduate degree, which means that I would have had less student loans. So that's something that I want to say to the college students as well is, you know, pay attention to how to strategically, you know, get your education as well. You can have 
um, a company pay for even your undergraduate degree. You can pay for a company to pay for your graduate degree. So aligning yourself with things that are going to help you in your journey and not just go with it traditionally how we see it, where it's like, oh, you apply to college and you just go off to college. No, if you're someone who's going to have to work while in school, be intentional about working at a company that will give you tuition reimbursement, which will reduce the amount of college um, student loans that you end up having when you're done. So that to me, I think was something that I could have done differently when it came to how I um, invested my money. Listen, the Um, things I wish I knew now, (laughs) oh man, I would have done a totally different thing, totally differently back then. Because listening to you saying, I'm like, damn, I didn't think of that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, in hindsight, right? So sometimes we don't know. Like for me, I just was kind of like, I got to hurry up and get through school. I want to be done with this. I don't want to, you know, be be done with my um, undergrad and have to come back with my grad. Like I was just so focused on getting through the entire idea of college that I just ran through the whole thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that day and age, like I knew better than just to tell myself the only thing I was going to do is a bachelor's because I could see the times changing. There was a time of time in life where having a high school diploma was good enough to get you a good job. Right. right? Then it became an associate. Then it became a bachelor's. So for me, it was just like, well, let me just go ahead and get get through this whole master's situation, because what I'm not going to do is come back. Right. Got you. But I didn't think about how I could have strategically done that because I worked throughout the entire time I was in college and I didn't think about strategically. So did I. Yeah. Putting myself in a position where someone else would pay for my education using right. other people's money. Ooh, sorry about that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So go ahead. Go ahead. Continue. Yeah. So, I mean, that's one thing. Um, I would say when it comes to, you know, how I invested my money and investing in my future and my education that I could have strategically done that differently um, to put myself on a better standing. And I will also say to anyone, I I, um, I remember having to learn certain things the hard way um, when it came to like investing and stuff like that. Um, the worst thing I, I, I would say that I did is I didn't start investing sooner. Mm hmm. Right. Um, if, if I move away from the idea of investing in my education and just look at the um, investing period and investments, one of the worst things I think I did was not starting to invest sooner. I was good at being financially responsible. I was good at saving money. Um, but entering into the world of actually investing my money, um, I wish I had started that sooner because at the end of the day, you just don't get time back. And time is one of the major factors in accumulating wealth. And so I would say that's the worst thing is that I didn't start sooner and I didn't um, reach out to people that were experts sooner. Mm-hmm. Got you. Got you. And then this this definitely applies to the college students going into college. This is something that would help them out, apply and learn and listen to this podcast so you know when it's time to once you finish college, this is what you should be. Your your goal should be, right? To definitely find a job that can help you pay for school, right? Clearly, because right. It's, like I said before, like I wish I knew all these things now, because back then it was just different. The only thing with my, for myself is that when I started working at seventeen, I did open up the life insurance, so I did start it young. Mm-hmm. Um, I did have the four hundred one k young at 
18. So that's already set up. But just other stuff as far as like the college to it, the, the job paying for the college. Because mm-hmm. I know yourself, I work throughout my whole college career. I right. Work. So look at it. Just think about just being intentional that, okay, I'm going to work, but I'm going to work at a place that's going to pay for my education. Right, right, exactly. Okay, so what would you tell your younger self about finances? Um, I think that, like, I, I think I just touched on it, is well, that yeah, it, it's, it's, yeah. it's just starting sooner um, when it comes to um, investing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I was in a saving place for a long time, but starting um, investing sooner, um, understanding credit, because I was one of the people who... I didn't like knowingly say, oh, I'm going to apply for all these credit cards. I had um, family members that, you know, were a couple of years ahead of me in college. And so when I started, you know, they took me around to all the tables to sign up for these um, credit cards. And I actually ended up having like family members that were authorized users on my credit cards and, and didn't even realize that they were doing stuff with my credit that I, 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 I would pay for later down the line. Right. And so, you know, when it comes to finances with my younger self, I think um, I also mentioned it earlier on. It's just realizing the power of um, my credit, like understanding the power of credit, understanding the power of investing early and just kind of getting on that a little bit sooner where I didn't take, you know, my credit for granted. Like I would have had, you know, I guess the knowledge that, you know, the credit that the, the, the option of having the credit. So let me say that again. Knowing the power of credit and knowing that I should be protecting it like I protect my life. Right. Because it's something that can provide for my livelihood, something that can enhance my livelihood and mm-hmm. not would and, and that would have not allowed me to take it for granted that I would have allowed other people to abuse my credit. To the extent that I, when I needed it and was ready to use it for something that was positive and was good, I didn't have it. Mm. So that to me um, is the one thing I know for sure I would have tried to do different and what I would have told my younger self, starting to actually invest um, sooner. And I would say when it comes to finances too, the number one thing I think it took me a while to grasp on is shopping around Hmm. like I have realized there's so many opportunities out there to save money just in our everyday spending right that even that like for me when it came to my it's not like oh well you got it so just get it no just because I have the money doesn't mean I should spend the money in that way if there is a better way or a more efficient way to spend the money and still get what it is that I'm looking for. So I didn't pay close attention with money in that way. I was good at saving, yes, meaning saying, oh, I'm going to put aside X amount of dollars every month or every paycheck. But the way I spent money of just saying, okay, um, Let's just say, like, even when you, you, you get your first apartment, right? Mm-hmm. And you're like, you're so happy. Get a nice living room set. Right. Oh, I'm going to get this nice bedroom set. And there's nothing wrong with, you know, setting up your living space to feel um, like home. home and to be mm-hmm. comfortable. But it doesn't mean that you have to go to Raymore and Flanagan's where they've inflated the price, you know, by 300%. Right, right, right. 
you know, so just even, you know, honing in on being um, more financially conscious and financially savvy with the things that I did buy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely makes sense. You have you. This interview was amazing and it it really opened up my eyes and I hope that um, our listeners are able to get a lot of knowledge off of this mm-hmm. because uh, like I said things that you're saying now is like damn I should I should have did this before I should have did this back then but again it, it all stems off of education and being mm-hmm. knowledgeable on these things because you don't have the knowledge back then but this was and that leads me to saying even like the best investment that was one of the things you mentioned like the best investment I ever made and why mm-hmm. that leads me to saying the best investment that we can ever make is in ourselves, right? right? That investment looks different in different um, areas of our life. So investing in yourself when it comes to your future self for retirement, investing in yourself when it comes to um, knowledge and, and, and literacy and awareness for different things in life, not just even just on your finances, but investing in yourself. That is one of the best investments I've ever made that I'm seeing the fruits of today. Um, yes, I could have strategically worked my education out um, differently as far as how much it came, it, I paid for it out of pocket, but it's one of the best investments I ever made. That's how I entered into accounting and taxation. That is the I guess the bedrock or the foundation of how I entered into the financial space without it, I wouldn't be talking to you today, probably Mm. right. Investing in myself when it comes to um, saving and investing in for retirement and for my future self, like I'm at a place now where I'm living a life that is of financial ease and financial peace because I invested in, in myself, my future self Mm -hmm. that allows me now to not, feel the financial strains that's happening in the world and our economy even during now in the middle of a pandemic so my best investment I can tell anyone is your best investment you can do is in yourself in every area of your life mentally financially um emotionally physically you know health is wealth investing in yourself as you are becoming the best version of yourself as you navigate through life Right, and if nobody, if you don't invest in yourself, who the hell is gonna invest in you? You know, so you definitely have to invest your, invest in yourself. It's yeah. important. Most people are um are selfish, and if they're not selfish, they have self interest. So they're not investing in you just for the sake of investing in you because they want you to have more or become more. There's a self interest part, which is not a bad thing, mm-hmm. because in anything, and that's the thing that we'll have to um, maybe talk about another at another time, but there's, th- there's something called relationship currency, mm-hmm. right? So you never want to be in a situation where it's one-sided, whether it's that you're the only person that has something to offer or something to gain, or someone else is the only person in that dynamic um, of having something to offer or something to gain. Both people should be coming together in what's in it for me and making sure that both needs are being met and both um, goals are being met. So that way you get a bigger result because if both of you are striving towards something that you want individually, then you're able to get some get somewhere or get something that you're trying to um, achieve quicker, sooner, faster. Yeah, a lot and of people don't even works. think about that. 
Yeah. <laughs> your network is a combination of, you know, people that are in your network. So there's nothing wrong with self-interest. But again, back to what you just said, if you don't invest in yourself, who's going to invest in you? And most likely no one is going to unless mm -hmm. there is a self-interest. Gosh, it's true. <laughs> it's true. Like I said, you don't look at it like that. People don't even think about it like that. It's like, yeah. hey, we're in a relationship. That's fine. I love it. He loves me. But then it's, it's a bigger picture. It's a business. Mm -hmm. It's a business. Yeah. That transcends in our personal relationships, whether platonic or intimate, in our business relationships, our partnerships. Like you ha always have to get down to understanding what is it that you desire most or what is it that you're trying to accomplish and achieve and what that person is um, trying to accomplish and achieve and what they desire most. And if you guys can come to, uh, come together with a plan that ensures that both of you are heading in the right direction of, according to your goal or what it is that you desire to have, then you're more likely to get to the level of success that you desire. Hmm. You are on the money, girl. <laughs> on the money. But definitely, this was a great, great interview. I definitely hope that our listeners take something away from it, even if it's not all of it, at least something it got through to them. Um, mm -hmm. So before we get off, Shamika, could you just let our listeners know exactly where they can reach you or find you if you have a website, Instagram page, what have you, so they know. Well, on every platform, you can find me at Shamika Murphy, um, whether it's Facebook, whether it's Instagram, whether it's Twitter, all social media platforms, I am at Shamika Murphy. Um, as far as my website, you can go to www.shamikamurphy.com. Um, currently, that's where you will be able to, if you want to book a um, session with me, a consultation, if you want to work with me anyway, I have what I call let's, let's chat and see calls which are short complimentary calls that I do with um, clients just to see where they are mm -hmm. and what they're desiring to do and how I can best serve them. And you can go to www.shamikamurphy.com to um, actually, you know, figure out which way you would like to work with me. Perfect. Perfect. And again, you know, she just gave you guys her platform, but we would definitely post it on our platform. So you know how to reach her and, contact her so if you need you have any questions you know where to find her but Shamika thank you so much for giving us so much insight on what you do on investments and savings stocks it was definitely especially life insurance because a lot of people really up to now still don't have life insurance so we definitely appreciate it you are very welcome and thank you so much um to you and Amanda and your partner, I think believe it's Monique, right? Yes, Monique. Um, thank you both for, you know, inviting me onto your platform, for having this conversation. I think it's very important and vital, even in the climate that we're in right now, yes. um, that, you know, it's no time like the present to do what we have to do to get our affairs in order and to get real about, you know, attaining some level of financial success. So I really appreciate you guys having me on your platform to basically spread this word that is, is basically my mission of making money, growing money, and keeping money. Thank you so much. And you know what, since we are dealing with this pandemic, eventually we'll have something where as far as it is a panel that we could, we could actually bring you out and have everyone have questions and be able to ask you face-to-face. -face. When that time allows. When that 
Oh, yeah, when the time allows and yes. Rona allows. Exactly. Um, I would definitely love to. Um, I definitely feel, you know, your energy and your vibe. I like people that are, like, like-minded as far as things that they're trying to um, achieve. And more than anything else, the number one impact I want to have is a positive impact right. on, you know, society and our culture of people as, as a whole. And that's what you're leading with. So I, I truly... Um, appreciate you and I'm glad to have met you and to be on your platform thank you so much this was amazing interview amazing interview we really appreciate it all righty thank you Shamika you're very welcome all righty all righty bye-bye bye So again, we want to thank Shamika for sitting down and joining us in this interview. We felt like this was actually very needed, especially in the pandemic that we are in right now. We need to know a lot about saving and investment and um, life insurance. So it was very enlightening that she sat down and gave us the knowledge that we all needed. So it's not just for us, it's for you guys to take away something from it. So we really appreciate it. Again, unfortunately, Monique wasn't able to join us, but it's okay because she'll be back next week. Um, but again, thank you, Shamika, and love XO the beauties. Hey, beauties. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Chatting with the Beauties. If you loved this episode, which we hope you did, please make sure to visit our website at www.xothebeauties.com where you can subscribe on iTunes, Anchor, or SoundCloud so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes and please tell a friend to tell a friend to tune in. Until next time, XO The Beauties.